Welcome to the Art of Living, where we advocate for introspection while helping you break generational habits so you can grow. I've been away for a while and I'll explain more in the coming season. While COVID and race kind of like dominate the headlines, I had a lot of time to reflect on some shit. On my fears and facing things about myself that I try to compensate for. I was scared to create content and it came down to the way I framed this idea. I told myself I can't get guests so I can't really do the podcast the way I want to. But this is why I named my show The Art of Living. Because in a way life is art and it's based in the idea of being mentally free so you can do your best work. So I created many seasons. Sometimes I'm going to have guests. Sometimes you're just going to have to listen to me. So here's season one, and it's part of a four-part mini-season called What Tomorrow Brings. Welcome back to The Art of Living. The time has come to live your life to the fullest. It's time to embark on a new journey, a journey that leads to emotional growth and mental freedom. Welcome to The Art of Living with your host, Dave Clinton. Welcome to the Art of Living show. Like always, I'm your host, Dave Clinton. So, I kind of wanted to be transparent. Because uh, I felt like I kind of lose, I lost a little bit of steam. Because I started to uh, digress a little. And I felt it was probably because I felt I couldn't get guests for the show. So sometimes you have to have real conversations with yourself and be honest. So I thought about it and I said, is that a real reason not to have a show? And it boiled down to false evidence apparent real. Or what I like, what I like to call fair uh i started this because i love having great conversations with people and i wanted to do more with those conversations i've learned that if you want to do kind of great things in life if you want to be skilled and fulfilled and live a healthy life and uh be active you gotta kind of hang or surround yourself with people that are doing great things that can influence you to put you on to other different things or ideas that you probably wouldn't have stumbled upon if you didn't have contact with these people. I wanted, I wanted people to kind of like feel the benefits of these conversations that I were having with people. But like 40 million people in America, I suffer from anxiety. Anxiety that I'm not doing enough, that I'm not a great father or husband or obsessing over thoughts. So to me, this episode is actually another milestone in my life as far as progress goes. So I try to keep things in perspective because sometimes you can be hard on yourself and it doesn't really bout or do too good for having anxiety because then it creates that vicious cycle of like, am I doing enough? I'm not doing enough. I'm wasting time. So about three years ago, I had like a life changing situation. So this situation was happening at the same time I was experimenting with Buddhism. So that forced me to look 
deeper into myself and and not on the surface of issues and kind of dismiss things. Uh, I was driving with my wife and uh, she took notice that I'm, I'm always aware of like speed traps. So normally I would dismiss this comment, but because I've been taking more introspective, more inventory of where these feelings came from, I actually meditated on it. And it brought me back to when I was 12. And I was always taught by my parents, probably around like 10 or 11, that you're different. People are going to look at you different. You have to handle yourself differently. You have to work harder. And if you're addressed by a police officer, it's very, very important that you say yes, sir, no, sir, and answer the questions. So as I was taking a deep dive into where these thoughts of being, I guess, traumatized or fears of speed traps and police and sirens and lights behind me. It took me to that time when I was 12. And I remember walking to the store to get something for my parents. So at that point, I remember hearing like screeching tires and I turned around and a man jumped up. And that it's startling by itself when you're kind of walking and you're in your own world and you hear screeching tires and you turn around like, okay, what the hell's about to happen? And a man jumped out and he approached me and asked me, did I know Tyrone? Am I associated with this street? A whole plethora of questions in which I was trying my best to process what was going on, who this man was, and through all that, when I, I mean, I, I could see he was getting agitated because I didn't answer his question right away, but I didn't f- totally process the situation. And I actually looked on his chest and what we call DTs, detectives, undercover. And he had this like badge on his chain on his neck. And I told him, no, sir, I don't know Tyrone. I don't know, Tyrone. I, I, I don't know, no I don't know what you're talking about. I'm actually just going to the store. And I remember that fear because I just felt like I remember what my parents told me and how to handle the situation and I'm trying to process all that and and try to say the right things but I'm also sure that's where I kind of figured where that fear originated and that was one of my many interactions with law enforcement so it makes sense that I'm hyper aware of cops and it still doesn't stop the level of anxiety when I see the, the blue and white behind me uh, I start to question everything when I'm driving. Like, am I driving too fast? Should I turn on the music? What should uh, what tone should I use? Should I get my registration and my license and put it on the dashboard before he gets to the car? Should I should I ask? Can I get this? Can I get the, the registration? Can I put my hands here? It's like a whole level of, I guess, checkpoints or or a checklist that you run through, and none of it is a surefire way of getting past the stark reality that it could still go wrong for you. So what I just described was a flavor of fear that was more a real threat than an element of ego or mind. So let's take a different example. So now that we all work from home, I was thinking I need to be more organized. The next logical step is taking the time to plan a day. I remember grabbing my phone, creating a color-coded event entries and thinking how it's going to be great tomorrow that I'm going to check off all the boxes, get all my tasks done. 
So the next day rolls around. And it's 6 a.m. and I bang out my yoga with Adrian. I hit the weights. I was lucky enough to have a pair of dumbbells before this dumbbell drought. I still don't get why dumbbells and toilet paper is the hottest thing on Amazon, but that's, that's beside the point. I get my workout out the way and I'm feeling like a side better on a roulette table that just hit on black. Then I look at my email. You've got mail. And the fear of God creeps in. The notification bar pops up on my screen. My daughter's teacher's emailing me to tell me that she's waiting in a Zoom meeting. So I scramble through my inbox, index my e index the emails by, my, by her teacher's name, but no hits. Now my daughter's seven minutes late, and I finally put out the fire, but the damage is done. After the situation passed, I look at my calendar, and I'm 50 minutes behind schedule. After kind of retracing what the hell went wrong, I figured out I placed my daughter's meeting on the wrong day, which then kind of wakes up the inner critic in me and takes me down this negative slip and slide of, of negative energy and thoughts and engages in this sympathetic response of being overwhelmed that snowballs into the summer's almost over and it's about to be winter. We're probably not going to have a cure for corona next year if we're out to next year and I don't have a job. I hate winter. My daughter's teacher probably thinks I'm a space kid. All these weird thoughts that take over the brain that kind of creates this weird sympathetic response. And sometimes it's kind of easy to ride that mental wave. It's, it's like watching your favorite Netflix show and it's about to go off. You know you should shut that bitch off, but the remote's on the table. And what does Netflix do? Jumps right into another episode of 13 Reasons faster than Trump's Twitter fingers could type five characters. So what do you do when your mind is threatening to hijack the day? For me, I jump on Bad Girl Riri's page. Damn! Well, actually, I don't. I don't do that. At least not in the moment. For me, it's about building mental toughness and some self-exploration. Buddhism was a tool for me because it kept me in the moment. I could focus on the textures of, of the laptop keyboard or practice compassion through meditation. From even when I got pulled over, I comforted myself by feeling the stitching on the steering wheel. More now than ever, I feel we need to confront fear. Fear is something we all have, but some manage it and use it differently. I was watching Evan Almighty with Steve Carroll the other night with the fam. Steve Carroll's character is building an art for God and his wife is scared and embarrassed because it's getting national attention. So she's at the bar, pissed off and scared, and she starts talking to a stranger about the situation and how she's scared because God told him to do it. So he fires back and tells her it sounds like an, sounds opportunity. Like an opportunity. He goes on to tell her, God doesn't answer your prayers. So if you pray for patience, he puts you in position to practice patience. It's the equivalence to some assembly required. Fear is an opportunity. Most, most of the times I'm afraid because I'm not prepared or it's the unknown or I'm going to look stupid or take a hit to my ego. My suggestion for a COVID state of mind is, is reading. I, I watch Netflix and of course I watch the Celtics. But there's something kind of real comforting, comforting about waking up early in the morning when no one's up and reading a good book. I'm a big believer that success leaves clues. And if you want insight into a certain field, read a book. Read a person's life story and gain new perspective or just read a, I don't know, trashy novel, whatever you into. No judgment. Read uh, Reading the right book kind of puts you on a path 
to some, something life-altering. Like It might be something that you never thought of or never knew or you never had exposure to. And now it kind of lights your brain up in a different way. I'm actually finishing a book right now called uh, Million Dollar Investment. But I'm, I'm really excited to read Heart, Breath, and Mind by Leah Lagos. It, it's basically a book on breathing techniques to control stress and anxiety. So before I get out of here, I kind of want to leave you with just three things that might help you with your fear and your anxiety. So number one, find out what you like, man, or try something you always dreamed of. It, it might create a new skill. It might create some more confidence. Number two, build mental toughness by exploring your weaknesses. Uh, sit with yourself for five minutes and just think about what skill you would need to erase that fear. Number three, grab a book and, and prep yourself to a new experience and learn from someone else's setbacks in the comfort of your house. Again, I want to thank you and welcome back to this season of Art of Living. Subscribe to this show and be the first to hear new episodes packed with inspiring stories for those who have overcome personal obstacles, fears, and judgments to live their life with emotional intelligence. As always, man, your fate is not determined by the prisoner of your mind.